plans for my crazy day. My packed commute. All those unread emails in my inbox. But I'm getting stronger, faster, and pushing myself further every day. I don't care if I'm not like everyone else. This punching bag is the best way to end my day. <laughs> Whew. Fearless is knowing yoga isn't your style. That's the power of the Blue Cross and Blue Shield Federal Employee Program. Learn more about our healthy benefits at fepblue.org slash get more. All right, guys, you are locked on Falcons. I'm one of your hosts, Aaron Freeman. I'm joined by my co-host, Alan Sterk. Tonight, we're recapping the All-22 film from the Falcons' Week 14 win over the L.A. Rams. We'll be answering your guys' user-submitted questions as well pertaining to the film. You are locked on Falcons, your daily podcast on the Atlanta Falcons, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Okay, Alan, uh, let's uh, get a couple of these questions out of the way. Um, we got a couple of questions from some users, not as many as we had hoped. Uh, for any of you guys in the know or not in the know, uh, you can tweet at the uh, show's Twitter handle, Locked on Falcons, and that's probably the fastest and easiest way for us to, to know that you're tweeting about film stuff. Um, our first question comes from our old friend, Vienna Falcons. He asks, did Falcon scheme for did the Falcons scheme for Vic's big game or did he just outplay the man in front of him? And yes, I am in Austria. Cool. That makes you even cooler. I always love the Euro love. Uh besides the first sec, I wouldn't say they really schemed them. Obviously they had that t- twist where the Rams offense line was discombobulated. They were discombobulated the entire game. Watch all twenty two. They several breakdowns, especially with Barnes and Saffold. They just weren't on the same page. But other than the first where Beasley twisted and Barnes is out of position, I'd say Vic B. Havenstein for the majority of the game. Yeah, I think I would agree with that. I think it was mostly just Vic being better than the guy in front of him. Um, that's usually how it goes. Um, when the Falcons tend to sort of scheme for things other than the occasional twist, um they don't really sort of work that well. Um, but you know, you know, that's the, that's the Mike Nolan branch of uh pass rush. We can scheme pressure, but uh, we know how that went. Well, they ran a lot of twists in this game, especially with Upshaw and Hageman and Freeney. So I think Quinn realizes that with a limited group that they're going to have to run more creative designs. I think it works for bad offensive lines like the Rams, um, but against better units that have a little bit more cohesion, some of those things don't sort of work as easily. But Yeah, like it worked against San Diego, I remember. I'm trying to think what else. That's the only one that really stands out. But yeah, it wouldn't work against something like Green Bay. Yeah. So. Um, our next question comes from Simon at No Miss Day. I guess that's Simon backwards. Uh, how's Grady and Rashid playing? Are we missing AJ Clay and Shelby? Grady still playing pretty high level. I don't see much from him in the pass rush in department unless they're using him on a twister stunt. Him and Beasley have some chemistry on the stunt. I don't think it's surprising considering they went to college together, but I think from that element, he's at least somewhat productive there, but he still has ways to go as a pass rusher and they are rotating him and Ben Gronner, I assume, because Claiborne's injured. They want Grady to, to play a little more nickel. That's why he isn't playing every snap at base. 
So I think that takes away a little bit from his game. But other than that, definitely a big improvement this year. Not improvement, just him playing more snaps, getting accustomed to the game, feeling his way out as a starter. Look, he's going to be one centerpiece for this defense. So you would hope that he continues to play at a high level with a consistent amount of snaps. That first sheet, I think he's coming off his best game, but that's not really saying much. We had a couple of nice moves. It was good to see him use his hands a little bit more rather than rely on his pure strength. But other than that, I don't know, nothing really stood out. They were trying the nickel because it's the only place where they could really fit him. And I think he capitalized on a few of those breakdowns between Saffold and Barnes. Yeah, you know, I think we saw him do a lot, get a lot more pressure in this game than we're sort of accustomed to Upshaw getting in that same spot uh, in the normal nickel uh sub package the last couple of weeks. I don't necessarily know if that's because Rashid is is coming on or anything. I think that's just sort of a testament to the Rams offensive line. Allen's right, he did use his hands a little bit more than what we've seen, but he wasn't really using his hands. He was just sort of bullying his way to the to the quarterback and, you know, I, I saw a swim move, but it wasn't really a good swim move. It was just kind of like let me just you know, it just, I think it was his pressure. A lot of, a lot of it was more just sort of how big and strong he is and sort of him having a good get off and the Rams offensive line being bad. I, you know, as I've said multiple times on this podcast, I don't think Rashid's performance has been as poor as Allen thinks it has been this year or has unassuming or whatever label Allen wants to, to put on it. But I certainly think as certainly as a pass rusher, this Rams game was probably the best performance we've seen from Rashid, you know, outside of maybe that 2014 Saints game where he, he jacked up Jari Evans. Um, so, you know, I think his performance has been fine. He's a rotational player. He's not anything to, to write home about, but uh, it, it was a nice game to see Rashid actually contributing and get a couple of pressures. They might see each other again in a couple of weeks. We're looking forward to it. Teron Armstead's out for the season, so uh, when Watch Zach Hageman will be inactive for that game. <laughs> uh, when Zach Streif is your best offensive lineman, I don't I don't know if that's a or I guess Max Unger. I'm sorry. Yeah, I was about sorry. To say. sorry, Max Unger. Don't hurt me. Um, but yeah, I feel like Teron Armstead never plays against the Falcons. He's injured always. He didn't play in week three, did he? No, and I don't remember playing last year. Well, you wouldn't remember if he played last year because we didn't have any pass rush. This is very true. <laughs> it wouldn't have mattered. <laughs> and, yes, they definitely missed Claiborne Shelby. I don't think we need to get in detail about that. Yeah. I think it's pretty evident from just watching the difference between them and Babineau and Shelby. Uh, Babineau and Upshaw. Yeah. Uh, I'm trying to think with the game because it was so lopsided and for the second half I was just questioning like some of the effort that was going on because obviously look it's a 42 nothing game I don't think you really expect these players to go hard like I noticed the fourth quarter Alford wasn't really getting into it it's all ironically in the red zone where they were trying to target Kenny Bright and he just deflected a couple of passes but I will say in terms because of the offensive line people were wondering why didn't the running game get going it was weird. I just think the Rams, whether they're blitzing a lot or they just crowd a lot of people in the box, I don't think they really respect the Falcons receivers, which who could blame them given Julio's injury along with Snoo. So I think they, they stacked the box a little bit more than expected. And 
especially on the edge, I thought William Hayes showed a couple of flashes. Jake Matthews looked a little banged up. I don't think he was 100% at all. He wasn't moving as well. So I think there wasn't a lot of rushing attempts, but they did bottle Freeman on those six carries. Yeah, you know, I, I think, I think you know, the lack of a running game was, you know, a lot of reasons for it. I think part of it is you got to give the Rams credit. They have a good defensive line. There were several plays where Aaron Donald was able to, to get some penetration, disrupt some run plays. There was a couple of plays where the Falcons guys missed their blocks. There was a couple of missed holes, you know, those sort of things. You know, I think the Falcons didn't really sort of execute to the highest level in terms of their running game. Um, but I think a lot of that has to do more with what the Rams did as opposed to the Falcons being bad at their jobs. Um, you know, one of the benefits of having a, a disruptor like Aaron Donald, I think, up front helps you in terms of preventing some of these holes to open up that would normally open up when we would run the ball. Um, and, and some of those gains that we would normally get three or four yards, they wind up being zero or, or one yards and whatnot. But uh, a lot of factors. Yeah. Uh, and then with the passing game, I did notice they were running a lot of trips. Unfortunately, they didn't work as much. But I thought Audrey Robinson could get more involved. And Brian missed him a few times, especially with Robinson. I don't remember Tremaine Johnson really covering him. So it wasn't like the Rams shut down cornerback was covering Robinson. So I think that's just something to keep in mind. I know Robinson was the new coming back. Probably his snaps would be a little bit more limited. But it was nice to see him get more involved. Yeah, I think some of the times when we weren't able to sort of throw the ball, I think some of that, again, was the Rams getting probably a little bit more pressure than probably people realize based off of the score. Um, You know, there was a couple of times where Ryan felt some heat and couldn't get enough on on the football, um, particularly early in the game, I thought. Um, Well, he only played for three quarters. Yeah, no, I'm just saying, like, I think in the first quarter – you could you could make a, a pretty strong case that the Rams defensive line, you know, did their job to sort of stall the Falcons offense to a certain extent. Um, I think as the game sort of progressed, that became less and less effective because, you know, we made adjustments and our, our guys started playing better and, and whatnot. And I think at a certain point when you're playing defense, you're not going to be playing as hard on, on defense, when you know, regardless of whether you get off the field or not, your, your offense isn't going to do anything with the football. You're just going to be right back out there. So it's a little hard to stay engaged for the entire entire time. So I think that probably helped out the Falcons a little bit offensively as well. Before he got injured, I thought John Collins having one of his better games. He wasn't really getting targeted. I, I thought a couple of routes with Kenny Britt, he blanketed him. Until, of course, when he got injured, he allowed him to play. But at that point, I think that was actually one of Goss' few good throws. It was kind of a little bit of a back shoulder throw. And given Collins' issues with location downfield, he got caught. But other than that, I thought this is definitely a promising game for him. I know he's injured right now, but he's slowly coming along. Yeah, I would agree with that assessment. So, uh, he did not practice today, we should mention. So I don't, know, I don't think his knee injury is extremely serious, but at the same time, Goodwin and Otolier getting extra snaps for this weekend is a little bit troubling. I do wonder if they're going to bring another corner up. Yeah, I mean, this would be a little bit more problematic if we, if we were playing the Saints, I would think, or the, or the, even the Panthers to a certain degree. Yeah, I was going to say, or even the Panthers. Um, 
you know, I'm not too afraid, you know, I don't, I'm, I'm not afraid of what Quentin Patton is going to do, um, against us. You know, I, Tory Smith might be dangerous just because of his speed, but then he's again, still recovered from a concussion. Oh yeah. You're right. He, I forgot about that. Yeah. I think Curly has always been on the raid. I was Curly. Surprised. Yeah. I've, I've always liked Curly. Same here. I was surprised the Jets didn't resign him, but they have like eight young receivers. I guess it's understandable, but he actually, he entorched them, but in 2013, I remember him giving Robert McClain all sorts of fits. He's a good slot corner, and, you know, it'll be on uh, Brian Poole to sort of deal with that. It'll be interesting to see if Collins doesn't play sort of if the Falcons play Goodwin or Olatoye on the outside. I think both those spots are ideal for those guys, but, you know, even though I think Olatoye did make some plays, there was some – a couple of little things that I was like, hmm, I'm a little concerned about this if he gets prolonged exposure. And I think the same thing case can be made with Goodwin. And even though he has made some positive plays as well, there have been some things that he needs to clean up. And it'll be interesting to see if the 49ers, if, if Collins doesn't play, the 49ers really take advantage of that and, and go hard after the, um, either of those guys. I feel like Goodwin hasn't played since the Green Bay game, like in terms of taking an actual rep on defense. Maybe he's flashed in special teams now or then, but it doesn't seem like he's been playing. I think you're probably right. He's, I think he's been a regular on special teams, but yeah. uh, you're, you're right on, on as far as defense goes. I also did notice that Alford actually played the slot a few times. So I think Poole's not primarily just a slot corner. He's comfortable going to outside if need be which I find interesting. Yeah, they have been uh, mixing that up uh, to a certain extent. Especially given that you look at whether it's New Orleans or Carolina, they'll use slot-specific receivers. Obviously, Brian Cooks, Willie Sneed will go in the slot now or then. Carolina used to get on occasion, so if Alfred's more comfortable there, that'll be beneficial. Yeah, well, I mean, we'll see how... Um... They play that chess game. Yeah. Uh, did you notice the two-way beast Ben Garland doing work? <laughs> yeah. He did some good things. I did notice there was a snap late in the game where Aaron Donald put him on his butt, but that's to be expected. But I think outside of that, I think Garland did a lot of good stuff, both on, on playing both sides of the ball, had some nice run blocks up the middle. Um, you know, he was also, going second level pretty well. Yeah. Um, that's always like, he's always been a good athlete. I think that's always been sort of his strength. It's, it's been more his problems from what I've seen going back and watching him in Denver and as well as this past summer in Atlanta, you know, when he's played center his snaps haven't been great, but also it's sort of that initial surge that he can sort of struggle to create push, but he did an excellent job in this, in this game against the Rams. And then I think he, he did a, a really good job sort of collapsing, uh, the middle on a couple of plays when he was playing nose tackle, as you said, Alan, he's, he's been getting a lot of work in the base defense, uh, subbing in for Grady Jarrett at that nose spot, sort of to keep Grady a little bit fresher, uh, for the nickel stuff. When are we watching him? I totally forgot Beasley technically should have four sacks, but obviously yeah, take the 10 yards at the holding call Robinson, but that's a pretty weird play because they were using an extra lineman. I think it was Donald, and Beasley used a rip move, got in the fight from him. And Havenstein, bizarrely, didn't even use his hands. He wanted to just give him a shoulder. I guess that's the way a chip. 
and he just completely whiffs, and Beasley just gets past him so easily and forces trip. And then Frinny was going to get there second afterwards, or hope still was holding on for him for dear life. It was a pretty crazy play. Well, um, I think I think Freeney would have gotten there a second before if, if Robinson hadn't held him. So I think that's really Freeney's sack. That, uh, that's true. And if Havenstein was any good, he would have used his hands, not just try to shoulder. Like, I don't get what he was trying to do there. Whenever you see an extra lineman help, he usually gets a nice shove in or just bangs him. He just tried to use his shoulder. <coughs> Sorry. Yeah, this is why the Rams' offensive line isn't good. You know, yeah. I mean, I, I remember there were plays in the past where like Lamar Holmes and like, "What are you doing, dude? Use your hands," um, and stuff like that. So there's a reason why some offensive linemen aren't very good and others are. By the way, with about Lamar Holmes, besides obviously that, the most frustrating thing about him during his tenure was he would just guess out. But at third or fourth quarter, you could just tell he couldn't move. That's just embarrassing. Especially, I don't care if you're 300 selling pounds. You can't guess out like that. Conditioning was an issue for him. I think that's the fair statement. Embarrassing. By the way, I got asked about Bruce Arians. Did you see his comments about Justin Bethel? I saw a headline. I didn't read the specific comments, but the headline I saw was pretty rough for Justin well, Bethel. What did you see? It was um what was it what was the words he said he said like basically I can't remember the exact words he said but basically like he's he's terrible or something like that. Oh, okay all right oh don't oh you're gonna kill it so I'll just say he goes you know we use the term work in progress uh huh so he goes um instead of work in progress which everyone likes to use he called them a failure in progress okay yeah that's what it was and I I always wondered. Imagine Bruce Arians if he coached that 2013 Falcons team dealing with Peter Kahn's and Lamar Holmes. Like, what would those press conferences have been like? You know, Bruce Arians is not uh, is not a fan of coach speak. He will he will let a guy have it if he thinks he he deserves it. So, uh, you know, it's refreshing. It can be a little rough at times, but uh, and he'll just cut cut a receiver who arguably was their best wide receiver last season at least do some points. Yeah, yeah, that's a fair statement. By the way, look, they're not going to make a move from Floyd, and I don't see any reason to. I think the receivers on this team have proven themselves, especially Nick Williams, give credit for stepping in there. Some of those option rounds were really well done. Whoever the cornerback was, I don't know if it was Gaines or Michael Gaines didn't play, but that uh, Michael Jordan, who, yeah, that's his name, but, but Williams just, Blew past him on a few occasions. Yeah, it was a couple of guys. I think he was beaten. Um, it seemed like he, he he got everybody he wants on one of those option routes. So, um, yeah, yeah, I'm with you on. I don't think Floyd. I mean, there's three games left. Typically, what happens in the NFL is when you sign a player in the middle of the season, it really sort of takes them a month to get up to speed in the in your scheme before you can really sort of expect them to play. Um, and so, there's three games left in the season. So. At this point, any team that sort of signs Floyd, I, I don't think is really with the idea of him making contributions this year, even if you're a playoff team, because at that point, your offense should be clicking enough that you should have somebody better than Floyd. 
Um, so I think if anybody goes out and signs him, they're signing him for 2017 and then he's a free agent. So there's no even guarantee that you're going to be able to retain him or anything like that. So I don't think it's a, a worthwhile move for the Falcons, especially. Maybe if you have a first round buy, you want to take a chance. I could see maybe New England trying to give him a shot, but I just don't see the point. I mean, New England's like, you know, is Floyd going to do a whole lot more than Hogan or, or Mitchell at this point in the year? No, probably not. I, maybe Floyd just needs to get his life together, too. Yeah, I mean, like, it would be the classic Belichick move to sort of kick the tires on him and see what he's got or something like that. But, you know, I don't think he's going to do anything for anybody at this point. They tried with Leonard Hankerson last year. Then last, though. It did not. Much like many of Leonard Hankerson's homes. He's been on like six teams, it seems like, in the last six months. Yeah. Maybe. Uh, by the way, did you notice the. We didn't put this up, but Desmond Southward got to work out with the Raiders. I did see that. How would you feel to see your old nemesis wearing <laughs> the black and silver? I I don't, you know, I can't say what I, I feel on the air. So. Um... All right. So. Anyway, as. You probably know, look, it was a very lopsided game. I don't think we could take too much from this, especially given the Rams' ineptitude on both sides of the ball. So, look, very encouraging win. Hopefully another good one. And they Carolina and New Orleans are going to provide the battles that this team needs to get ready for January. I agree. So, tomorrow we're going to preview San Francisco to the fullest extent. We're going to do all the research we can. We'll get somebody on that knows the team and We'll actually try to get some info on what to expect for Sunday because San Francisco, obviously, one of the least viewed teams in the league. Yes. So, guys, um, you know, I think we made it clear the other night that we expect the Falcons to win, but uh, we will do our research um, by talking to somebody and, and doing our own research on our end to sort of get prepared for this game. So, you can trust that this is the only podcast that you'll listen to that will actually give you some insights into the 49ers. Um, I don't know if that's a good thing or not, because I, I don't even know if 49ers fans want insights into the, the 49ers. But, uh, you know, that's what we provide here. So no you entertainment find- value whatsoever. Man. <laughs> just just analysis. Just analysis. Oh, boy. Uh, you can find me at... Alan underscore Stirk. That's A double L E N underscore S T R K. I am at Falk fans. Um, and yeah, as I said at the top, uh, if you guys want to contact the show, get questions answered on the show, not just only on these nights, but maybe other nights, please uh, tweet at the show's Twitter handle at Lockdown Falcons and stay tuned to that and you'll get all the updates for when the show airs and whatnot first thing in the morning every day. Sounds good. We'll be back tomorrow. Back tomorrow. You are Locked On Falcons, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What you doing? Ran out of space on my phone, so I'm deleting some stuff. Bye, singing dog. Bye, goal. I pronounce you. Bye, wedding ceremony. Stop. At MetroPCS, you get two free phones with twice as much memory. Really? Don't say bye to your memories. Switch to MetroPCS and get two free LG K20 Plus phones with 32 gigs when you switch two lines. MetroPCS. Wireless. Figure it out. Coverage not available in some areas. Sales tax not included in phone price. Excludes numbers on the T-Mobile network. See store for details and terms and conditions.